Good morning. Our second reading is from Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hi, please have Romans 8, 1825 open. Our heading is groaning for glory. And let's pray. Father, encourage our hearts from your word and change us by your spirit. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Here's a question for you. If you knew that something wonderful was going to happen to you tomorrow, do you think it would make a difference in the way you thought and live today? I would think so. It's a bit like what was put before us as each of the three lockdowns was announced. The clear command was essentially to stay at home. But do you remember why those lockdown restrictions were put in place? to stop the spread, to protect the NHS, and to save lives. For a time, we endure a period of hardship, because it will be worth it in the end. We may suffer for a while, but it will end, and we'll be glad we did. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans 8 today. In Romans, Paul's setting out the gospel or good news in its fullness. Chapter 8 is a summary of all that he's already written and draws out the implications of the good news of Jesus for the believer. In verse 1 we saw how there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can already know God's verdict on us here and now. As we trust in Jesus Christ, the verdict is not guilty. And as the chapter continues, we find that we're not just forgiven, we're also given the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Adoption, verse 15, who confirms that we are indeed God's children. By him we call God Abba Father or Daddy. And this is all wonderful news. And then in verse 17, just before our passage, Paul introduces the subject of suffering. He writes, And if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow or co-heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you're a believer, you are God's heir in and with Christ. 
Receiving that inheritance which comes to us in Christ involves sharing in his suffering, the pathway to sharing in his glory. Perhaps something inside of us reacts to that. Yes, we're on board for all the all of God's blessings and benefits. Bring them on. But suffering? And that reaction might even be stronger when we read verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Really? Some of you ask. This poor guy doesn't know my life and what I've been through. He obviously doesn't understand real suffering and instead seems to make light of it. Maybe he's had a comfortable, easy life and hasn't really undergone any suffering. So it doesn't really know what he's talking about. But that couldn't be further from the truth. In another of his letters, he shares some of his experiences in serving Christ. Beatings, stonings, shipwrecks, constant danger from robbers, and in most places, toil and hardship, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, in cold and exposure. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. He knew what it is to suffer. So he's not making light of suffering. Rather, and please, please don't miss this, he's making much of the eternal glory to be revealed. By comparison, the eternal glory is far greater than all the suffering we may face in this life. See also 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. It's as if Paul has a pair of balancing scales. He puts all the suffering on one side and on the other the glory that will be revealed to us. What's the result? What can we see from the scales? Well, it's not that our sufferings are greater and it's not that the suffering and glory is about the same, perfectly balanced. No, there's absolutely no comparison. The glory completely surpasses and totally outweighs the suffering. Anything we face or endure now will be more than outweighed by an eternal weight of glory to come. The sufferings of this present time, whatever they are, are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us, which is a perspective to hold on to. And the word that expresses our current experience isn't perhaps the word unmute, but groaning. Is that the word that summarizes your experience of this last year? Groaning with frustration, perhaps, as your regular routine has been restricted. Groaning with boredom for some, as you face another long day. Groaning with loneliness for others. Well, that word groaning is the word that characterizes today's passage. Paul uses it three times as he speaks of the current suffering and the incomparable glory to come. First of all, the group, the creation, has been groaning. Look first at verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
You know, the way some people count down to their birthday with eager longing and know how many sleeps it is. Or you might wait for a delivery to arrive and you're watching out for it with eager longing, unless you're waiting for a delivery from Hermes, who have still to find my new address. Creation itself is on tiptoes, watching and waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Why does the earth do that? Why are the animals, birds, trees and every blade of grass waiting in this way? Well, look at verses 20 to 21. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. You see, at present the creation is frustrated. It's in bondage to decay. I don't need to tell you that. You experience it every day. Things wear out and break down. The lovely banana you were going to eat has turned black and mushy. Thorns and thistles and weeds spring up. Change and decay in all around I see, as the hymn Abide With Me puts it. It's the world as we know it. But it's not the way the world was originally made. In Genesis chapter 3, we hear of the bondage of creation, not by creation's choice, but as a consequence of Adam and Eve's decision to rebel against God's good and gracious rule. The world is under the curse, but one day bondage will cease and creation will share in the glorious freedom of God's children. Paul describes creation's groaning as in the pains of childbirth, verse 22. The present condition of creation is not its final one. It's like a mother groaning in labour pains. The groans and pain are worth it whenever the baby has been born. And that's what's happening around us as the creation groans in anticipation of release and freedom. Can you imagine how glorious our world will be when decay has been stopped? When viruses are no more? When there's no more sadness or sickness or suffering or sin? You see, the gospel is more than just me and my ticket to heaven. The victory that Jesus has won is for the whole creation. The natural world will share in our redemption. And in the meantime, the creation groans. It's not just the creation groaning, though. You see, we too share in that groaning. Christian believers are groaning too. Look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We're living in the now and the not yet. Already we have the first fruits, the presence of the Spirit, and the final verdict. We get to taste what eternal life will be like. But there's just so much more to come. And so we groan as we wait. We're still sinful and no sorrow and suffering. We long for the day when we receive our new resurrection bodies, when we see Jesus face to face and are like him 
and live with him forever. And so we groan as we wait. Do you get that? Yes, if we've put our faith in Christ, our salvation has begun. We have the Holy Spirit as a down payment. But it won't be consummated or fully realised until the resurrection. The full realisation of adoption in Christ. We have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. So the Christian life involves patient waiting. But patient waiting in what? Just a load of definite maybes? The kind of definite maybes or even U-turns that come from the government? No. Patient waiting in hope. In sure and certain hope. Now, we often use the word hope in lots of different ways. You might hope the weather will be good tomorrow. But it might not be. Often our hopes are more like wishful thinking. Wouldn't it be nice if... But the Christian hope isn't like those vague wishes. Because it's based on the fact that Jesus died, rose again, and ascended. Our hope is sure and certain as we trust God's promises and wait for what he will give to us. Look on to verses 24 to 25. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees or already has? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. If our present Christian experience is all that there is, then there's nothing to hope for. But hope looks to the future, to what God will do. And we wait patiently. Because the glory to be revealed in us is worth far more than anything we endure here and now. The creation is groaning. Christians are groaning. And as Paul continues, we find that the Spirit is also groaning. But in what way? Well, much more on this next week. But look at verses 26 to 27 for a taste now. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints or believers according to the will of God. All through this chapter, Paul has been reminding us about the power and presence of the Spirit in the life of the Christian. And the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you ever found yourself wanting to pray, but not knowing what to pray? You're not alone. When we struggle to find the words, the Spirit himself is praying for us with groans that words cannot express. He takes our groaning and groans our prayers for us, translating them into prayers in line with God's will. He knows and understands our hearts, our sighs, our longings, and prays on our behalf. Isn't that so encouraging? But back to verses 18 to 25 as I conclude. 
Perhaps you're struggling. Well, remember, it's just for a time and it will be worth it. So how much more worth it? Well, it will be what God says here in Romans 8. Our present sufferings, characterised by the groaning of creation and our groaning, and the groaning of the Spirit as he helps us in our weakness. Those sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. A short period of pain leading to an infinitely greater pleasure. Suffering now and glory after. That's our story here and now, because it's the story of the gospel, the way Jesus himself followed the cross before the crown. Jesus endured the cross, bearing our sin and shame, wearing the symbol of the curse, the crown of thorns, in order to enter his glory by overturning the curse and ushering life and peace, victory over death and bringing in his new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. We're called to go his way as we wait for the glory to be revealed. So in the meantime, don't give up. Keep looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He is with us by his spirit. Let's pray together. And in a moment of quiet prayer, let's Pray in the light of all that we've been learning from this passage. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 